0: Welcome, pudding people, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host Ken Butterscotch Seymour with your other host Richard Chocolate Geiger. Wait, I figured I'd change it up just a little bit. First, I'm vanilla, then I'm rice pudding, or v- v- something else. <sighs> There's so many good, so many good puddings. Ugh. Well, we are excited to have you back with Butterscotch- us today. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm keeping that one, but I've got you the good one. But we're, we're super excited to have you back with us. We have a fun episode for you today. We are going to be talking a little bit about our, or maybe maybe my my trip, to Origins Game Fair in the beautiful city of Columbus, Ohio, that happened in here in, uh, what, it's still 2019, right? Feels yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. time is just... A few crazy. more days, yeah. Yeah, it's... So... Uh, Origins actually happens in June. So as you might be suspecting when you're listening to this particular episode, it's been a few weeks, but there has been a lot of stuff happening. The summer is really when the convention uh, circuit really heats up and there's a lot of stuff going on. So we had the uh, fun of having two different conventions that we wanted to cover that happened within the span of a week. And that's a lot of convention
1: and a little bit of driving. But Yeah, I thought you were going to say, columbus indiana for a second there
0: no no i don't know of any conventions in columbus indiana that has struck me as something that i would like to attend yeah uh, it may just be i haven't seen anything that uh that they have that's awesome yet and it's there and i'm missing a gem but i'm guessing not
1: i mean there's a convention uh the same time uh comic con is going on mm-hmm. uh i mean uh gen con sorry yes uh, comic con is going on now Actually, San Diego. Uh, yeah. there's, a, there's a convention uh, of sorts just down the road from us in Springville. At the oh, same yeah. time that you're doing uh, Gen Con. So, there's okay. a lot of conventions.
0: A lot of conventions going on. So, Origins. For those of you that are not completely familiar, is a game convention. So, a lot of people have heard of uh, Gen Con. Because that's kind of like, at least in the United States, kind of the big daddy of game conventions. Um Others have kind of uh, become more prevalent. Uh, PAX is a real popular convention in, in that regard. There's the an East and West for that, isn't Absolutely. there? Absolutely. Uh, there's also, uh, if you're able to get out uh, worldwide, I mean, maybe Essen in Germany is probably, by a lot of people, considered to be like the game convention. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not had a chance to get out to Germany to go to that, but, uh, you know, it's on the list. But for now, Origins is a convention that I have visited multiple times in the past, and they have a very, very strong focus on gaming. So you had a little bit of uh, exposure to a game convention uh, not too long ago, uh, to a certain extent. I mean, you were at PopCon. There's a little bit of gaming at PopCon. And uh, you also... What was the other one that we both were able to get in on?
1: NWI.
0: That's right. So... really didn't have they had some games they were selling but didn't really have a gaming component so origins takes place in the columbus convention center which is dead smack middle uh, of columbus not terribly surprising um there are quite a few nicer hotels around the way they've done a lot of renovations uh since the last time that i've been to columbus so it looked really really nice and i have to tell this story just because it's a part of the experience. And this is a warning to all people that go to conventions. If you're thinking about skimping on where you're going to be staying, don't. Uh, there, there needs to be that, that that line that you'll draw. Some people have the stamina to be able to be at the convention the entire time. I'm not going to leave or I've got a friend's house I can stay in. Some people have enough money to do the nicer you know, hotels that are going to stay at. For those of us that are going to multiple conventions, uh, we might think of penny-pinching just a little bit, Mm -hmm. which is what I was thinking. Um, I will not say which hotel that I stayed at, but it was a little farther away from the convention center. And it was remarkably um, frightening in in so many respects. Hard to get to, that was a bad first sign. Look at the outside, it's a little run down, that's a bad second sign. Uh, uh, go in, and for anybody that's seen uh, Blues Brothers, there's a scene within the movie. I know it's an old film. There's a lot of people that weren't uh, potentially alive <laughs> watching this podcast when that movie came out, but uh, it, it has a scene where Dan Aykroyd's character uh, character lives in this hotel for men, and they go through the they go through the main um, foyer, and it's just awful looking, run down, and uh i felt very much like i was in the movie at that point um i i'm not convinced that the individual that was behind me in line was not a, an escort of some kind uh so i mean it get into the room that make pain, that money somehow paint is peeling there are insects there's cracks looks like the fixtures haven't been changed in 40 years it it was bad i set my stuff down looked around for a minute, picked myself back up, put it into the vehicle, and had to come up with an alternative solution. So, a moral of the story, get, get a slightly nicer hotel, uh, spend just a little bit of money, you will be happier.
1: Side, side note, I read that in, uh, I wanna say it's Japan, maybe it's Korea, they've actually, there's a, a hotel that has embedded in their sheets a, a chip. They can withstand high temperatures and is water resistant. So every time they get washed, that information gets put in that chip so you can actually scan the sheets and see when they were washed.
0: That's kind of awesome, um, I like that idea.
1: Probably at that one, it would have been from a couple weeks before you got there.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was, I was not uh, convinced that sitting down was a good idea in that room. Um, so I will not be going back to that hotel ever 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 What's your gaming experience Richard? <laughs> well.
1: Okay, so um my gaming experience. Um I really like to play uh Parcheesi. Okay, so that's like when it comes to take like, Tabletop tabletop games. games. Okay. I like
0: video games. Not um, not the the current craze.
1: Um, I will say zero. Yeah. Now, I will say that I have played, and some of my favorite games that I have played on a console or to a smaller extent PC, um, are role playing games that follow the the base. Dragon, like Dungeons and Dragons slash mm-hmm. um, dungeon crawling sure. type of of, of of game.
0: That role playing origin.
1: Yes, yeah, so like those are some of my favorite games. Even going back to games like on the Nintendo or on the Genesis mm-hmm. when there wasn't that true like first person RPG in a sense, but there were turn based RPGs um, like oh gosh dragon dragon warrior dragon warrior yes so um though that was kind of my first taste of that style of gameplay but as far as like a traditional tabletop not so much nope
0: well i have a, a sneaking suspicion that a lot of people don't realize how interesting the tabletop game industry really is i mean most people just don't have that exposure. You've got the monopoly. You've got the Scrabble. You know the stuff that that the vast majority of people are really aware of. But there's been there's been a growing trend in board games and role playing games that's just been really really impressive over the last decade, maybe two decades even. Um, that it's there's been a lot of new producers of games and maybe part of it is to do with the popularity of Dungeons and Dragons. Maybe part of it is to do with the popularity of Magic the Gathering, that collectible card game, but there are so many games, so many varying types and styles and and you can literally get lost. Uh, between our group of friends that we game with, between all of us we have hundreds of board games and, and so there's there's a variety. There's always something to do. And that's just a fraction. I mean, these these game conventions give you a chance to go around to the different manufacturers' booths, check out their new stuff, get expansions to the stuff that you already have. Uh, There's even sub-industries. Broken Token is a particularly fun example. Their entire thing that they do is create stuff to help you keep your games organized. Now, I'm not talking about shelving. That's a different company. Several of them, actually. Um, but they will sell basically balsa wood. It's what it looks like and what it feels like to me. But a lightweight wood uh, dividers that you can put into the boxes of the games that you purchase to help divide out all the stuff. And sometimes it's just for storage. Sometimes it's to help the gameplay. I'm a big fan of Terraforming Mars. And the play mats that came with the original game were basically just laminated thick sheets of paper and there's little bits and pieces that go with the game and they will go everywhere you accidentally jostle the table or swipe your hand you don't know where any of your stuff is anymore but they created these things that have just little divots for all of those things to go into they don't move anywhere so you've got a better way to keep track of everything it's it's really kind of neat so origins um, is a lot like gen con in the sense that it's a larger game convention there are probably tens of thousands of people that would attend it over the span of the uh i believe it's five days that origins happens it's a slightly longer convention Um, and unlike popcon which we talked about a little bit that tried to focus on a lot of different areas all at the same time origins for the most part is tabletop and role-playing games done that's it and that's not that they won't have celebrities. They will, but it's not a major focus. In fact, uh, when I went there, I think the only... And when I say celebrities, I mean like mainstream television movie celebrities. When I went there, y- unless you really knew where you are going, you weren't going to find the couple of people that they had. Um, and they still have an artist alley. They still have authors, but it's primarily games. And the best thing to do when you go to Origins is to buy the board game room pass you basically spent 10 bucks and for the entire uh, convention if you're not on the main floor looking at the other stuff that's going on or doing whatever events you signed up for they've got an area where you can check out games just by giving in um, uh, I don't even think you have to give your driver's license on this one I don't remember you may have all my friends did but you get into it you're good for the entire day and they've got libraries of hundreds of games that you can just try out and play with your friends. And because of the type of community that it is, for the most part, people are really nice to the game so you don't lose pieces and break stuff. And if you're going to check it out, it's generally in pretty good condition. I mean, it's really, really kind of nice.
1: I kind of think that that's one of the keys if you're going to get into it is you can play them with a few people, but I feel like a lot of these, if you have more than just two people right if you have a collection of people and it's something that you have time and it's something that you can do as you know it'll you know people will get together and play well, they'll have a card card game like card game day of the week right and you get together or you'll do dominoes one day of the week i feel like your best enjoyment or, or success in this is something that you can gather together as a family or as a group of friends once mm-hmm. a week and spend time doing these because obviously by yourself can't really
0: do much they've tried to kind of compensate there are several games that have a uh, solo component to them it's never quite the same yeah um and you know you can i mean a lot of the games are really two-player games they the most popular ones the ones that seem to do the best seem to average out about four to five players um you can get games that can accommodate more usually the successful ones are going to be party style games um the the ones that actually have a stronger storytelling element can sometimes work strategy games ooh they bog down once you start getting into the larger numbers of players uh you can sometimes be waiting for 15 to 20 minutes until before your turn rolls around again so that doesn't always work so well or if you're playing with certain people i know a four player game can do that too because there's something called analysis paralysis (laughs) <laughs> that happens as you're trying to think too hard, yeah. think too hard over everything. But you're going to see some video that we're going to include in on this that has some gives you an idea of the number of people. I took some video of uh, you know just how many people were waiting in line for the opening of the main hall. Uh, we did some bird's eye view uh, of the of the hall so that you can kind of see the rows and see what games and stuff are involved. Some good stuff.
1: So since this is a podcast mm-hmm. that we're talking about. Tell us a little bit more about this video you speak of.
0: Well, this video is a newfangled invention that some people have been taking advantage of uh, much longer than we have. But we have now taken advantage of it as well. And we are up on the YouTubes. You can see the words coming out of my mouth. Sort of. The lighting on this one's a little darker. (laughs) But, you know, things happen. and, uh, And we'll fix that later. But, uh you can you can take advantage of all the video, all of the all of the extra pictures that we have because what's going to happen in this episode? We have three different interviews that so we've got two different game manufacturers and a fantastic actress, and you know there's a lot of great stuff video wise to go with that. Uh, examples of the games that they're going to be talking about. So know, yeah, definitely take a tune into that. And while you're doing that maybe stop by our other social media. I mean, you can find us on Twitter. We are Real Pudding Guys. And you can find us on pretty much everything else at Just Pudding Guys. Not mm-hmm. not the word just, but Pudding Guys. So, you know, Richard here, he takes care of the Instagram. He keeps us updated on everything uh, lawn mowing. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> might,
1: might have a, a, a new one uh, coming up here sometime in the future. Ooh. So... Keep your eyes and ears ears peeled on the Instagram oh, yeah. account for that
0: one. Yeah, we've got we've got some we got some good uh, uh, yard 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 waste disposal pictures. No, but really, we have some great pictures of some of the stuff that we've been doing, some of the people we've been meeting. Really good stuff there. Of course, we're on Facebook. Um, we don't tend to focus as much on Facebook as some of the other social media, but we still do keep you apprised with a quote every day from somebody that is no longer with us that said something inspiring or witty or odd. Uh, Just some of these people that have enriched our lives over the years. And then of course, our newest addition to the social media is Patreon. And this one may be the most important in some respects because this is a way you can help support us in being able to get interviews with these interesting people, to be able to bring you new and neat discussions, but also to bring you new and neat tools now of course i'm not going to go into that specifically it's getting so close so tantalizingly close but just right now it's
1: it's a new design for a wrench by the way right right
0: (laughs) for a single dollar a day you can help support the pudding guys Uh, i know money's tight for a lot of people Um, we don't want to be an imposition on that but just a dollar a day and it helps us create new stuff and talk to you and be friends at a distance
1: maybe just maybe every once in a while you can even see us live on twitch tv that's right also uh putting guys but uh you need to kind of pay attention to twitter and to instagram because we'll tell you uh, maybe a day or two or maybe an hour or two before we hop on and yeah. you can see our lovely faces as we speak into a well, metal I, object that well, as records. well as the
0: people that we're talking to right Mm-hmm. That's that's maybe the people that you really want to, to hear. That's yeah, the you don't people care but I about want to hear. Yeah, sure. anyway.
2: but.
0: All right, but on to it. So let's let's start with our first person that we've got up. Uh, we have when I keep saying we because Richard is always with me in spirit. In spirit, even, even if he's not physically with me. But I'm in uh, spirit,
1: a lot. By the way,
0: <laughs> we were able to talk to uh, Connor McGoy. Now, this nice gentleman uh, is a game creator inside up games and he had a lot of neat stuff to tell us about a little bit of history of how he started and what he does some of the neat new stuff he has to offer and uh, i think you'll enjoy what he has to show all right, we're back at Origins 2019 with Connor McGoy, the owner and creator of Inside Up Games. Thank you for joining us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, thank you
3: for having me. Of course, the announcements always come on at the worst possible time, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, this is uh, uh, my third Origins, and I love it. It's so nice and relaxed here compared to some of the crazier cons. You can actually take time like this and sit down and talk to each other. Yeah. So yeah, as mentioned, uh, my name is Connor McGoy. I run uh, Design and Publish for Inside Up Games. We started, I guess, back in 2016 with our first Kickstarter for Summit, a survival game for one to six players that can be played competitively, cooperatively, or solo on a two sided board. Um, it did really well for us, uh, which kind of well, which helped, obviously. It uh, then led into the sequel, not the sequel, I should say, the expansion of Yeti. Um, I followed that up with Vault Assault, a fast paced Cops and Robbers dice game. Last year, I had the hit Gorus Maximus, a trip taking card game for one to eight players set in the gladiatorial arena. And then, earlier this year, I came out with another Kickstarter for a Teams expansion, which also builds within the Summit universe, where now players are able to actually team up and either still play competitively or cooperatively, but a little bit more uh, planning, scheming, and backstabbing going on.
0: Nice. So, you say uh, a couple of the games are in the same universe now. Does that mean that they're going to be just kind of sharing... uh, art styles and the and concepts, or is there actually an overarching story that goes with that as well?
3: So yes, yeah, so Summit was the overall uh, the survival on the mountain. Uh, in the cooperative mode, it's so dangerous and difficult that players need to work together to at least keep one player alive. Unlike most cooperatives where someone dies, it's not game over. That mechanic drives me crazy as it's not thematic at all. Mm. If I'm on the mountain and you die, I'm not just laying down. So uh, in Summit, basically, I need... I going to the mountain with you, I'm not doing so well, I'll say, take my food and oxygen and go on without me. we got to get you back down that mountain to score some points. Uh, in the competitive mode, we're now racing up and down the mountain, and what makes it interesting is the addition of karma cards. So you're actively playing cards to help or hurt each other, but that also equates to end game scoring. So if I'm being nice, I'm going to maybe help you go faster, give you more food, but that might actually help you win. I get nice points for being a nice guy. Or you're doing too well, maybe I cut your rope, throw you back down the hill, it's going to slow you down that little bit. But then I'm losing points for being a mean person, so you really got to balance up that strategy. The first expansion, Yeti, continues on that same evil mountain where now the abominable snowman, the Yeti, shows up and he hunts you and your friends. It adds new characters, new items, events, karma cards, and then the Yeti meatball itself, which tracks you across the board. The team's expansion uh, is going to add, as I mentioned, the ability to work together with someone, new cards, new characters, and new uh, square tiles. So in the base game, you're using triangular tiles for root buildings, to create a new mountain every time. Okay. N- now you'll have square tiles, which you actually lay over top of the triangular tiles to get you out of some situations, because as most players would tell you, it's a pretty uh, crushing and grueling game. Well, those,
0: those are the best best kinds, you know, the ones that will uh, create a sense of unity out of uh, you know the despair that everyone feels as the game keeps beating them.
3: And you touched on a genius thing, so that's actually what exactly what I was going for when I came up for the idea of Summit. As I was laying there, I'd been told for years this is something I should do is make a game, but there are so many games, and I really wanted to do one that could be played both competitively or cooperatively. So when i was laying there uh, christmas eve waiting for my kids to go to sleep so santa claus could arrive i was laying back and i was thinking what what can you do by yourself what can you do helping people and what can you do against people and survive you can survive alone you can survive working together you can survive better than someone else right outlive them so i wanted to get into that universe and the, you know, the, a lot of the other themes—the end of the world, the zombies, post, post-apocalyptic—those have been done, and they've been done really, really well. So, and nobody like me is not going to make a splash trying to tag on to someone else's theme. So, I figured, what what is something that I hadn't seen done a lot? Of course, fast forward by the time the game's done, and the Kickstarter came out, 2017. Its release, I believe, was a year where every, like, all the mountains of madness, all the mountaineering, all the mountain games came out. That happens all the time, right? Well, one of my favorite, uh,
0: one of my favorite. Uh, Autobiographies. I, I guess you could all auto, autobiography as a uh, uh, Lewis Black, and he is he did a book on his thoughts on religion, and that's the exact same thing. So as soon as I did one, I saw a hundred on on the shelves. And
3: it's like when you buy a car, right? Everyone has the same car as you as soon as you buy a car. <laughs> yeah. So, how long have you been designing games? Uh, so, I mean, it's, and that's a funny question. So I grew up without a TV, so I played games uh, as a kid. My mom hated TV, didn't want one in the house. So I have three siblings. We played a lot of card games, a lot of board games growing up. So it's something I enjoyed. I'm a very social person. I thrive off being around people, uh, and I enjoy that. I got out of it as a teenager into video games, as you do. But then when I um, started a family of my own, I had, and my, own co- my first company, which was a construction company, uh, I had so little free time that when I did, I wanted to be with people doing stuff. And that kind of got me back into the board game world. We were spending that quality time together, not staring at a screen, playing with someone halfway across the world. Um, So without thinking about it, I had actually designed Goris Maximus, my third title or fourth title, not counting expansions. Um, I guess it would be almost 12 years ago now with my wife on the beach in Thailand. We wanted a two player trick taking game. We didn't know any, so we made one up. Uh, And I thought nothing of it at the time. Fast forward to me now actively playing games, running my construction company, and people constantly telling me to do this. So to get my mind off construction at night, I'd lay awake in bed thinking of fun board game ideas, mechanics, stuff like that. So that got me into it. That probably would have been 2014-ish. And I kind of started out and started flushing it out during 2015. Then all the testing and all the prototype building and all that crazy amount of work that you don't kind of realize what you're getting into or what you did until after it's done. Uh, So that got me into it. And then um, it was just one of those things that people seem to think I do well. So I have a knack for it and they enjoy the games. I, I try to design around fun and theme. So I want people to enjoy their time at the table. Um, whether it's, like I say, beating each other up or working together. I still want people to have a, an experience and to have fun. So, uh, so I, I, I went along and did those games. And then the reason Goris actually came up is I'm working on the second game, Uh, in the world of Karma and Karma is my unique mechanic in Summit. So I'm working on that next game and it's going well, but it hit a snag when it was testing really well with my regular group, but we're the regular group. We sent it out to the irregular group who don't have the speed and the, the familiarity with it and it slowed right down. So now it's back on the design table and I needed another game. And I was just thinking, okay, I have three other games that are small in the works, but none are at the spot where I feel they work. And that's really important to me. And then my wife said, well, what about Goris Maximus? At the time we had called it two fried bananas because we were sitting on the beach in Thailand eating two fried bananas. <laughs> so I was like, oh, it was good, but I don't remember it. My genius wife goes up to her travel journal, looks, she had written the rules in the back page, right? That is so fortuitous. Exactly. So I looked at it and at that time we had done a two to uh, to five player game using a regular deck of cards. So the game maker in me is like, okay, I need to make this better and I need to make it marketable because you don't want to sell a regular deck of cards, right? So what can I do with it? So at that point, I started playing around, started trying to uh, grow the suits, grow the player count uh, and then tweak the changes. It was actually the artist Quan Chai Moria who I met because he liked Summit's art uh, and we kind of had a little bit of a bromance going on. And I was like, look, I'd love to work with you on anything. Here are some of my future projects. He's like, oh, I could probably sneak that card game in because it's going to be fast. It's going to be light and I can do it out. So we chatted uh, and I basically said, here are the th- art themes I'm thinking of. What, what do you want to draw? Like artists are always told what to draw. What do you want to draw? And he was like, dude, I have always had this gladiator in my mind. I drew him like two years ago. I just haven't found the right game for him. And I saw it and I was like, "Yep, yeah, that's it. That's the one. I said, give me a week to rework some of the mechanics, to work theme-wise within the game. And then it's one of those things where the more I thought about it, the more I was like, yes, this is even better. Yes, this makes better sense than what I... So it was like a perfect merge of like art and theme, which came along you know, beautifully. And it just kind of led from that one game to the next game to the next game.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's always nice when you see that kind of meld together. Uh, in the, in the kind of convention circuit that, that you've been traveling in, uh, you, you see a lot of uh, smaller game manufacturers or, or or newer game game designers that have that kind of fire and kind of joy in making uh, in making what they've got. Uh, uh, what kind of inspires you? I know you say you sit up late at night thinking about these games, but what what really is is the thing that, that kind of makes you go with that light bulb? That okay, yeah, that's it. That's the thing.
3: It is funny, and it, it's, it's almost like a two part question for me, and I'm probably going to forget the second part while I'm answering the first part. But I design for fun, like, and, and I don't mean like I just do it for fun, which I do, but I also design for a fun experience for people. So, I'm, as I said, I'm a social person. I have enjoyment. I love to laugh. I'm a hugger when people meet me. I'm just uh, like, I'm a very, I'm a naturally positive person, accepting, open, trusting, just because I, I like people. Um, So I design with kind of that thought in mind and what can I do that's going to be unique and what can I do that people are going to actually enjoy and, and smile, they want to share an experience together. So that's kind of what happens and then I'll sit there and I'll think either a mechanic or a theme or if I'm lucky both kind of meld together and that's kind of what gives me that kind of leap off point and I have a, a, four notebooks now by the side of my bed with different games and jots and ideas, some further along than others of just like, oh, this would be really cool. This would, I want to try this one out, so on and so forth. And from a personal side, as I alluded to earlier, I ran my own construction company for 10 years and I made a fair bit of money. I did. Uh, I'm. I wasn't rich by a stretch of the magic, but I was comfortable. I live in a very small town. We have very low expenses. Um, And we're just careful with our with our expenditures, but that kind of allowed us to to set me up to see both hard work uh, Perseverance, but also that money doesn't make you happy Mm -hmm. and I was good at my job But I wasn't happy with what my job was Uh, So for that and then seeing the first Kickstarter do well the second Kickstarter do well And really the support of my fans and followers who have become friends that kind of like constant trust and belief and like the, the Kickstarter comments of saw your name, backed it. Now I'll read what it's about, like little, <laughs> right? little things like that. Yeah. So like, and it's you, negativity is so prevalent nowadays that when someone takes time for positivity, it really matters because the negative ones hurt you more, but the positive ones will help stand out. So that is what kind of dr- drives me each and every time to be OK, like I really want to give back. I want to make this person happy because they believe in me and I want them to I want to have earned that trust.
0: That's pretty fantastic. I think we have a, a similar mindset in that in that regard. Uh, so, okay, I gotta ask. We're sitting right next to a, a game here that has uh, what looks like some some pretty interesting uh, setup and, and cards. You, what what exactly do we have here? What is so? Uh,
3: the crazy thing is that we're actually sitting next to my newest uh, prototype, which just cool. funded on Kickstarter. So, there was a little bit of a confusion mid-campaign where the, uh, the game was originally called Rise of the Elder Gods and we've actually changed it to Seven Souls. Uh, that is through uh, a mutual friend reached out to me in the industry, uh, Chris Kirkman from Greater Than Games, because they actually have a, a game called Fate of the Elder Gods. And what I didn't know and he didn't know is that he didn't know my game was coming out and I didn't know he had a line of games planned with of the Elder Gods in the title. Uh, so we both basically chatted as friends and were like, okay, look, like, we don't want to confuse people. Let's help each other out. So I agreed to the name change. He agreed to help me kind of boost it socially. So we were like, well, we're, as I said, I don't want to be the construction guy. I want to be the friendly guy. So let's make this work for each other. Yeah. So we're looking at seven souls. The latest offering. We are sitting next to a prototype which our listeners can't actually see but it is um, the latest version of the game that funded about a week and a half ago now, uh, overfunded, did did well on Kickstarter. We're now in the uh, open late pledge area where people can still back a campaign get in for some nice cost saving, get all the Kickstarter goodies in there. Uh, and it is a, my first game into the Lovecraft uh, mythos, the, the world of Cthulhu and all the evils. Once you step in, you can't get out. Which will be the interesting thing. And what, the part that I like, which came to me again, naturally, and I don't think I fully appreciate it at the time, was that I came from it from the side of the evil guys. And the more I've talked to Lovecraftian fans, a lot of the games are the investigators. In my game here, you're actually the ancient ones. You are trying to control the cultists, abuse them, take the souls, the power, their mental resolve, and gain control and dominance over the world, which Lovecraft fans love.
0: Take a little glee in being the, the,
3: the bad guy. Yeah, which is funny because I'm actually the guy, whether it was a video game or a board game, I'll always go the good guy route. Alala's really good guy. But something about this, the art style, the, uh, the art done by a, a gentleman named Reese Apguin, which is just phenomenal, uh, really makes the game kind of pop on the table. And it is one of those things that has a lot of moving parts to keep the gamers interested. Uh, a lot of different strategy can go down, but at the same time, it's very accessible. So it's almost a perfect gateway game, both for bridging the gap in games, but also welcoming other players into the Lovecraftian universe. So laid out in front of us, as you can see, there's a board. We have kind of cards all over the place, and we have tokens. Basically, the simplest way to explain it is that it's a simultaneous action selection where we'll be using the same uh, hand of seven cultists. We'll be sending those to the three different locations, but they are literally the same seven people. So if you and I send the same person to the same place, we're going to try to fight for mental control of that character's willpower. (laughs) We're going to have resolve cards that we're battling with, uh, a little bit of a deck building aspect where you have fails in there and successes, you're going to be drafting in new successes, you can slip some fails into your opponent's decks. All kind of a mental a mental game. Well, what's he going to send there? Okay, He thinks I'm going to send that guy there, so maybe I should send someone else there so that when he does that, I'll actually do this, kind of that, that double-sucking, the, the bluffing. There are investigators that are going to hunt you down, which you can see ahead of time, so you know, okay, this guy wants to go here and he's going to attack all the low-initiative guys, so I'm going to play a high-initiative. But that means everyone else is going to play a high and Now we're going to fight for the same guy. So always that constant pull and push of stuff. You're going to gather power to power up your attacks, to buy some places at the altars. You're going to gather souls which have varying uh, values on them. You're going to be winning blessings from the gods. You're going to have uh, revelation cards where you're actually picking which god you're representing and the goal, secret objective, that's going to drive you through the game. And you're gonna combine all those things into a pretty quick, playing 30-40 minute game where you just have fun, kind of playing around, and getting your stuff going, see who can squeak out the win, and then when you're done, you're like, okay, that was great. Let's just do it again.
0: I gotta say, uh, I've always been a bit of a fan of Cthulhu-based stuff. Uh, sometimes, uh, depending upon how how into the weeds you can get, it can get it can get mired down a little bit. I know we we started with. Uh, we started with a Cthulhu-based game as one of the first that our gaming group built, and the manufacturer was prolific, and the stuff they released was beautiful, and it was great. But as you added each of these things onto the game, it became just impossible to play.
3: And I agree, I've played one. Uh, I don't like t- I don't like, uh, raining on other people's parade, but I've I played one, and there was one mechanic in it that should have been so simple and so simply explained, and it was a constant point of contention of, this doesn't make sense. Check the rulebook, check the rulebook, check over and over. And for me, anytime you check the rulebook, you're breaking the theme and the continuity of play. Yeah. So I want my games to sit down. Sure, there's a lot, it looks like there's a lot going on. Sit down, play around. Oh, I got this. Right. And especially in this one, I tell all my demo people, we're going to play one round. You will learn it and it will not be detrimental to anything and any, any final scoring. So just let's jump in. We'll learn it and it'll make sense.
0: Well, it definitely looks fantastic, and uh, I think uh, I think people are going to love this. I want to thank you so much for taking a few minutes to sit down with me and uh, tell me about some of your neat new stuff coming out and uh, tell me a little bit about your company. And I wish you very well and hope the con continues to go well as well as the ones you've got in the future.
3: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is a wonderful talk. All right. Thank you.
0: And we're back! <laughs> so really good stuff it was so great for him to take the time to uh talk with me and tell me a little bit uh about what he has going on take a visit to the website uh i know he's got plenty of stuff to offer and give a try to a couple of his games they are really fun uh tried them out and i you know it's it was a blast i haven't tried all of them yet i wish i had enough time to try all of them i i am already behind in movies and television and music and games that's just piling up more and more. I need I need what was that what was that movie that uh, um where the guy clones himself over and over again and his clones clone themselves? Michael mm. Keaton.
1: Yes. Batman
0: <laughs> Not that movie. No
1: but. no. Uh, um Yeah, I know what you're talking. Mis- I need, Mr. I, Mom?
0: M- no, no no a little laughter, mr mom well i need to be able to do that in order to finish all this do du- do du- duplicity Duplicity? yes no multiplicity multiplicity yes duplicity is if they're all trying to stab each other in the back which actually now i think about it, they kind of were in the movie yeah yeah it was funny been a while ago yeah been a long time well that was a lot of fun and If you enjoyed that, you will probably also enjoy our conversation with Tom Wetzel. Now, Tom Wetzel is, um, is, uh... He
1: doesn't do pretzels.
0: No, he does not do pretzels. Um, Thames and Cosmos is the, is the game company that he's associated with. And he also has some really great stuff. I also tried several of uh, the things that he had to offer while I was at Origins and was duly impressed, um... I don't think the people I was playing with were as impressed as I was, just because uh, I was awful at it, and I, I think it gummed up the works a little bit. But I liked the games.
1: Yeah, just to get, I think that exposure, and who knows it, um, you know how often people get to play this and then talk about it on a podcast, right? So you get that experience when you're there. But then if you're not there. What is the way for you to kind of get that knowledge base for it? So, um, you know, kudos to these guys for taking a little time out of their day to try and spread the word for not only their product, but their community.
0: And I will do a small plug here because I know a lot of the people that listen to this don't have any idea. You know, the ones that are already board game people already know, but boardgamegeek.com. If you really want to know about board games, go to that website. They have everything in a huge community and usually direct links to these manufacturers. So you can go buy their stuff or some people are sometimes selling them uh, older copies that they've got on the website. You know, other things. I mean, there's so much to it. Lots of that website. little plug just because I love those guys. But on to the interview. All right, we're back at Origins 2019, sitting across from me in the main convention hall. We have Tom Wetzel with Chaos, or, no, sorry, Cosmos <laughs> Game Cosmos, Studios. Yes. Thank you very much for sitting down with me today. Oh, thank you so much. So, tell me just a little bit about yourself and what you do for Cosmos. Uh, thanks again for coming by, and uh, so
2: I work for Cosmos, and I do board game marketing for them, but I'd say the reason that I'm in that is because I am a board game hobbyist. I I love the industry, I love the hobby, the games, everything about it. So I'm a, I'm just a super fan.
0: Well, that's that's it's it's a bug that bites you at one point. Absolutely. So, all right, there are so many game manufacturers out in the industry. What separates Cosmos from the other game manufacturers? Uh, that, that's a great
2: question, and. Uh, I think that Cosmos has made a name for themselves as one of the best quality family game companies. And when I say family game, that, that might be a little misleading. That's just more the, the kind of the level of st- strat- strategy that is in- involved in our games. Uh, all of the games that we have, although some of them look intimidating, are pretty easy to teach and play uh, with your friends or your family.
0: That. What was probably the first breakout game for Cosmos that that people would know when they hear hear that that particular title and go, oh I played that. I loved that game.
2: I think maybe the most famous game that we have in our catalog right now is is well, I was gonna say Lost Cities, because Lost Cities is classic. It's been around for twenty years. Uh, it's a fantastic game by Rainer Kenizia, but I think that the exit the game has surpassed Lost Cities. And that's the escape room game that I, we've, we've done extremely well with. And we have a lot of fans. We just released one here. And our booth has just been buzzing with it the whole time.
0: So is that kind of like a push-your-luck style of a game? Trying to acquire what you can and get out before things go badly? Is it more of a, more of a worker placement, a euro? What style of game is it? it's a it's a different game altogether.
2: Altogether. it's 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 really cool it's it's like escape rooms the physical escape rooms but it's in a box that you can play in your house Mm -hmm. and we now have eleven of them in varying degrees of difficulty including the one that we just came out with which is a bigger box a longer and more difficult one because we get requests for both easier and more difficult ones so this is a a response to to those questions those requests
0: having that flexibility seems like it could be quite a challenge yes (laughs) How long does it take to to really test out the games and get them ready for uh, public consumption?
2: Oh, uh, so that's a a hard question because I don't see the full process. What happens is they get uh, designed and then developed in Germany. And that, I believe, takes a few months each game. And then we get them as a German game that we have to then translate, which if you're working with riddles is not so easy. It's not a direct translation because some riddles require a specific letter or spelling or even a combination of things like that that make it hard to just translate it directly over. So it takes us, I would say, another couple of months to, to really nail nail it down. We, we We're thorough, which is important because these games have to be thorough.
0: So one of the fun things about the Origins Game Fair is the ability to try a game that may not even be out into the studios yet. So, what exactly what exactly is up and coming and going to be fun? You mentioned uh, something about Gen Con coming up and some releases.
2: Yes, so at Origins we have three titles that will be released at Gen Con, but they're also being released at stores on August 1st as well. So. Even if you're not going to Gen Con, you keep your eye out for these, and, and they're all great. Um, great games. So, we have Imhotep the Duel, which is a fantastic two player game. Roll for Adventure, which is a dice chucking co op 30 minute game. It's super fun. It's unlike any other dice game I've ever played, and people who played it say the same. And then we have Tribes Dawn of Humanity. That's a civ building game that plays in an hour. Civ building games are usually really complex and long. But like I said, we're more of a family-oriented uh, game company, so this one, although it has a lot of strategy and some real meat to sink your teeth into, um, anyone can learn it and, and play it in, I would say, an hour to an hour and a half for, for some people, but it's, it's a fantastic game.
0: So, of the people that have come by and demoed it, what's been the overwhelming response? Has it, has it been uh, pretty awesome?
2: Everyone's mad at me for not selling them today.
0: (laughs) So, okay. So, of the three, everybody's got a favorite. Which is probably the one that you think that you would play over and over again, and why?
2: I, based on my gaming group, will probably play Roll for Adventure more than anything else because it's a little bit quicker, a little bit easier, and it has a higher player count. So, you can play two to four people.
0: So, okay. Okay. On the average game now, Ubongo was one of the one of the big big games uh, as well. How how does the the reaction guy, I know at least in my game group, I'm a I'm a big fan of that particular game because oh. uh, I like spatial orientation types mm-hmm. of games. And I tend to do pretty well at those. Um, does that still kind of have um, a large following? Is it is it still something that people think about and and come by? And it's like yeah, I really love that game and I.
2: Absolutely. So we sold out of the big box version of Ubongo on Friday, so quicker than I thought we would, obviously. Um, and so we last year released the fun size version of Ubongo, which is kind of like a travel size version. And this year we're releasing Ubongo Extreme fun size, which is hexagons. And it is surprisingly <laughs> difficult. You didn't, wouldn't think that just that little tiny shape change would matter, but it is a huge difference.
0: Yeah, that could definitely throw some people for a loop if they weren't ready for it. Yeah. Okay, so being Sunday, mm-hmm. um, what is your favorite thing that you've had happen over the course of these four days so far?
2: Um, I, I just, I love, uh, so we've been demoing Roll for Adventure, and, and I love it because I can I can almost set my watch by it. Because when the game comes to a conclusion, I see people standing up and, and either cheering or or, or being disappointed that they didn't roll a six when they needed it. And it almost always comes down to that last roll. It's, it's really great. So the timing of it is, 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 is perfect.
0: Fantastic. Is there anything else you want to make sure that the people out there that might be listening to this that maybe don't know uh, Cosmos or don't know the games should know and make sure that they pay attention to so that they're ready for the awesomeness?
2: Well, only for those people who like fun. <laughs> um, I'm really excited about the adventure games. I just play-tested them, they're not going to be available until October, but they're like adventure, like the old computer adventure games, like the point-and-click ones, Um, but they're multiplayer and you play, each one of them comes with three chapters, two hours each. They are brilliant and fun, they're great games, really excited about them.
0: Well, thank you very much for telling me a little bit about the stuff that you've got here. And I look forward to having a chance to play them myself uh, with my gaming group and see what they think. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of the con. I'm sure I'll see you at Gen Con.
2: Yes, thank you so much.
0: And we're back. Yes, yes, we are. It was a very sophisticated conversation we had. And I am glad you were able to join us for that conversation. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm lowering my voice a little bit because I'm trying to keep myself in check here. I I tend to get excited about being able to talk to anybody in general, but I was super excited to have a chance to talk to our final guest in this episode. Um, Been a huge fan for a long time and I had no idea that she was going to be present. Uh, It was not advertised that she was going to be present. The advertisement was that uh, Chris Carpenter was going to be there, as was um, as was um, a handful of other people, you know, the authors and things like that. Uh, the, the actress that I love, um, Juliet Landau, was advertised for being there. Now she got sick, unfortunately. That's what I heard. She was not able to appear and there were some things. Charisma Carpenter was there. She was fantastic. But what I didn't know was Amber Benson was going to be there. Also of Buffy the Vampire Slain. Slain,
1: Fame. You combined Slayer and Fame together yes, for Slame. Yes, I did.
0: Oh, God. Okay. We're just going to cut that out. And no, we it. won't. No, we won't? No! Live in infamy where I can't talk on on Oh, this is terrible. Okay. Buffy the Vampire Slayer live in fame. Amber Benson, awesome. See, this is basically what I was trying to stop from happening.
1: Maybe I could put over the top of it uh, our our clip from uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ship. Yes. Uh, Yeah, okay. Fame. (laughs) How about that? Um, So... When I had the opportunity to speak with her at Origins, I was very much trying to keep myself calm because the last thing that I want to do is to spaz out in front of somebody whose work I really admire. Uh, and she was, she was lovely. She was really fun and seems like a really excellent person, and I hope I get a chance to talk to her again uh, as a small note. They were there because there was a Buffy the Vampire Slayer board game. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, because I was trying to keep myself from spazzing out, it took all of my energy. And you know how I occasionally can't talk, as was just evidenced? And that usually goes into mispronouncing the names of people. In this instance... Never heard it. My, yeah, uh, yeah. My brain blanked completely. And I only remembered the names of one of the game manufacturers and I spit out something that was not the name of the other uh, entity that was involved. Now that entity's name was Lynn Vander Studios. Not Lynhurst, not Lionhurst, not Bratwurst. I have no idea what I was thinking when I said that other than don't spaz, don't spaz, don't spaz. But hopefully you will enjoy me having a chance to talk with Miss Amber Benson. Alright, so we're back at Origins here with uh, the fabulous Amber Benson.
4: Fabulous, I love it. I'll well, take it.
0: I, uh, <laughs> I, I have to say fabulous because I have enjoyed watching you as we were talking about. I, I watch Buffy regularly every few years and it's just always so fun to see your character come Aww. up on the screen. So it's waiting for that uh, that Season 4 to roll around. So uh, what brings you to Origins this year?
4: Um, I'm here uh, with, with actually uh, Buffy Game kind of hanging out and uh, I think I'm going to be maybe learning to play it properly because I'm not I'm going to admit I'm at a basically a gaming convention and I play Monopoly and Trivial Pursuit and Checkers and Chess that's my yeah that's, they're tabletop games yeah, um,
1: I, yeah you're not going to lose any
4: points sadly I, yeah, I'm not a you know I'm a reader so like I spend my time with like my face in a book I really should become more social and actually play tabletop games for real. So maybe this will be my entree into that.
0: Well, we definitely have to at least give a brief shout out to the game manufacturer who yes. is uh, indirectly or directly, depending directly. on you responsible for you being here. So uh, Jasco Games and Linhurst Studios. So the game is fantastic. If you haven't tried it, Buffy the Vampire board game.
4: I'm but, in it. You can be me, I think.
0: Yeah, and the new expansion that yep. you are in that one. So I, I had to ask, uh, You didn't start with Buffy. Was it The the Crush? Was that your first on-screen? Actually,
4: actually, that was the second thing I did. The first thing I did was a little independent film by Steven Soderbergh called King of the Hill. Um, That was the first thing I did. And, of course, when you think of Steven Soderbergh, you think of all the Oceans movies. But uh, before that, not too long after Sex, Lies, and (laughs) Videotape, he made a lovely little movie. Um, about basically, it was based on the uh, the I think it's the autobiography or the memoir of um, of one uh, the guy I'm blinking uh, A.E. Hotchner was his name. I remembered. I'm not that old yet. No, not at the, all the the quasi brain fart is, is is still there though even though i'm only 42 but it's it's starting now <laughs> um, he was a he was a, a, the biographer of hemingway actually one of the biographers of hemingway but this was his memoir about growing up during the depression in st louis and it's a beautiful emotional like very little seen movie that i'm very very proud of um, that was my first so was That was that a lot of information sorry you no, guys no
0: that's exactly what we're looking for so was that your first stride, or did you start with uh, theater instead?
4: I grew up doing theater in Alabama. So, yeah, musical theater specifically. And then uh, we moved to California when I was 14 and ended up in this movie, King of the Hill. And then immediately after I did The Crush, it was, yeah, I've been been very lucky in my career. I've gotten to work with amazing people and work on amazing projects. Um, Yeah.
0: So, Okay, so I always like to, one of the other things I try and do is, since since what you may be best known for is the Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, Slayer series, how did you become involved with that particular project?
4: Just auditioned for it.
0: Yeah?
4: It was just like a random audition. I went in and, and met with them, and, and uh, <laughs> I was getting ready to go out of town and see my dad. So I got in the car after the audition, and I drove to my dad's house, and they called, and they're like, hey, they want you to come back in now. I'm like, well, I'm like four hours away, so I'm not making it back tonight. Uh, And so they're like, well, they're going to see other people, and if they don't find somebody, they want you to come back in on Monday. So they didn't find anybody. I went back in, and I credit Marty Noxon, one of the producer-writers, for really pushing Joss to cast me. She was my big fan and really pushed him into it. And Forever grateful. Thank you, Marty.
0: Now, there were stories. One of my favorite stories that I hear is that the relationship between the actors and the writers and and everybody was maybe a little different on on the show. That there were occasionally instances where possibly Josh Whedon might have some individuals over to his house uh-huh. to, uh, to <laughs> I sing knew where you were going
4: <laughs> to sing songs and, and actually it grew out of uh, Shakespeare. Uh-huh. We would we would go to his house on the weekends after you spent all week with people. You then go and hang out with them again on the weekends, which is a rare thing in this industry. Uh, and we would uh, we would read Shakespeare. And uh, I got to I got to uh, to read Desdemona opposite um, Jay when we did Othello. Jay was on Angel, and um, like we I mean it was an amazing. Like, we did Hamlet, we did Lear, uh, we did Midsummer Night's Dream. I like we really we ran through them. It was really fun.
0: Okay, so w- keeping with the Buffy thing, what is maybe your favorite episode or two that you were a part of?
4: I like that you said two, because I have—I actually have three. Oh, perfect. Um, the musical, of course. Far and away, like the the apple in my eye. I loved the musical. It was so much fun to do. How often do you get to do something like that? What a rare treat. Mm-hmm. And then. Uh, Probably the body and hush tie for second place. So those are my three. The body is just so beautiful and so emotional and such a such a beautiful example of how to how to handle grief within like a television narrative. It was just incredible and
0: I was mild I was a little torn about mm-hmm. that episode because yeah. it was so spectacular but then it also meant that we didn't really get to see Christine Sutherland anymore. I know anymore. Christine
4: is wonderful, and to not have Joyce on the show anymore, but that's—it's funny because she kept coming back. We would, we would see—I would see Christine in, the, in the trailers, in the makeup trailer. She's like, "Yeah, I'm back. I'm in my dead makeup." Like, <laughs> poor Christine running around for for weeks and weeks in this gray pallor makeup, like pallor makeup. Like it was, yeah. She's a trooper and uh-huh. wonderful.
0: Yeah, she, she really, she brought a warmth to the character She's that was an, really great. She's an
4: amazing actor and a genuine, wonderful, warm human. Like, good people all the way.
0: So, were you any sort of on the geeky side of the spectrum? I mean, we've, we've established that you're kind of basic board gaming. Did you <laughs> did, did you uh, kind of go into the realm of comic books or video you, you games? You know, I thought like I
4: was I thought I thought I was kind of kind of geeky because I love books yeah. and I love movies.
0: That's a good start.
4: But but I I guess I'm not not so much a, a sci-fi geek. I like sci-fi fantasy books, and I love those movies as well. But I just I, I'm a cinephile. I love film. Fantastic. I, I love literature. Um, so I'm nerdy in those ways. Well, those, I,
0: those are excellent ways.
4: But I don't, I don't know the name of the command of the stormtrooper. I, I think it's awesome that people, people know all of the minutiae of the Star Wars world. But I'm, I'm not one of them. But I appreciate it. I wish my mind worked that way, and I could retain that information.
0: Okay. Well, then, since you are a cinephile, <laughs> let's ask uh, uh, an. And a question you may not be able to answer, but I'm going to ask anyway.
4: All right, I'm going to try and answer.
0: Not, not counting Joss Whedon, <laughs> favorite director.
4: Oh man, that's a tough one. You know, I do, I do love me some Kubrick. You know, The Shining is one of my all-time favorites, and it's a bummer that um, that you you have to separate the art from the artist because Polanski. I love Chinatown, but I yeah. feel very conflicted about that because of all the stuff i it's really hard so um and then i love i love marlene goris she's a i think she's a dutch filmmaker um oh there are a lot of really good yeah this is tough i tried, <laughs> I, tried. I tried i threw a bunch well, out there that, at you. Hey,
0: that that still counts well maybe maybe pulling it back down to uh the performance lever uh level either Somebody you've worked with, or somebody you wish you had the chance to work with,
4: oh, or man. some other actors, I, and actresses. <laughs> I always wanted to work with Albert Finney, and then he died.
0: Yeah, that's a little inconvenient.
4: God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I was always a big fan of his. I mean, I was really lucky. I got to work with Steven Soderbergh. The hall is closing in one hour, you guys. Well,
0: it's, it's important because. Uh, <laughs> This only happens exactly every time I record.
4: <laughs> um, no, getting to work with Soderbergh was like—he was amazing. He was just so, like he would take his per diem money. We shot in St. Louis. He would take his per diem money, and he would have um, softball games on the weekends for the cast and crew. And he would buy food and drinks, and everyone would hang out. It was like being part of a family. It was—it was really wonderful.
0: That's awesome. Okay, so you also mentioned that you are a fan of reading, and you also write. Um, I
4: do indeed.
0: Uh, I have been. I have been told I have not had the opportunity yet to read one of your <laughs> your novels, but uh, uh, my wife has, and she said that she she liked it very much. Uh, the one that she read. What What do you write about?
4: You know, I write. I write kind of like Chicklet with a sci fi fantasy twist. I have a book series called The Witches of Echo Park, and uh, it's about a group of diverse women. Who are forced to deal with each other in the confines of, of being in a coven together? Um, set in Echo Park, which is a little part of Los Angeles, the east side of Los Angeles, very magical place. Um, no, I love writing. It's funny, like as, as as you you grow up, and when I was growing up, you know, there were women writers, but like the real the real ones that you read in school, it's always dudes. It's like men. It's like we got to put these, you know, it's Hemingway and it's it's you know. Um, my brain is not working, but it's always men, you know, though they're the real writers, you know, and which is bullshit, just yes. FYI, A little bit. But, but growing up, that was sort of what was sort of pushed at, you you know, F. Scott Fitzgerald, it's, you know, that kind of stuff, which I love. I love all that stuff. So I was like, well, I'll write like, I want to write like that. I want to be Dostoevsky. And then what I write is like about women. I don't know why I just, I love writing women instead of like these sort of like men protagonists. I write ladies. So that's,
0: that's a good thing. It gives us gives us a chance to see different perspectives and yeah. to, and to be able to everyone get into the mind because you know, they always say write what you know.
4: Yeah, so. I'm a lady. I have a uterus, so <laughs> I guess I guess I got to write about it. That's Sorry, why you guys.
0: I was going to go with that's the reason I haven't written anything because I don't know anything.
4: <laughs> but uh, you know,
0: that works too. Uh, <laughs> uh, so of the authors. Um, of the authors that you've been reading recently, who's one of your favorites?
4: You know, I, um, I don't read a ton of, of uh, YA romance, but a friend of mine took me to a book signing, uh, a local L.A. author named Maureen Goo, and uh, her stuff's fantastic. It was really fun. I really enjoyed her signing, and so I got the book, and I, it was just it's about kind of a young girl and who's in the food truck culture in Los Angeles, and it's really, really wonderful. I enjoyed it. But I'm on a bit of a like a, a Scandinavian crime tear right oh, now. Nice. Yeah, I'm reading all of the. Uh, now I'm gonna butcher butcher their names. The pair, what, w a h l o o, and my, anyways, I'm gonna stop butchering the Swedish names.
0: I'm good at butchering. But they names. wrote
4: the uh, the Martin Beck series. Oh, okay. The, yeah, there's ten of them, and they're like, I think really the beginnings of that whole uh, psychological crime police procedural with a social sort of commentary on on you know on society and how how we interact with each other and and about swedish society obviously because they were set in sweden but they're they're fantastic they're so good really really smart and thoughtful
0: that's that's uh i have i have that's one of those things. I get this list of books that, instead of as I read them getting shorter, just get just longer. Longer, I know. Me too. And uh, it makes me just a little bit sad. But you, you uh, know what else
4: I just read that I really like too is Rebecca. I had never read it.
0: I still have not read that one either.
4: Talk about a unsettling book, <laughs> Daphne <laughs> Du Maurier. Wow. All
0: right. So a couple of the questions that we we tend to try and ask uh, anybody that we talk to. Uh, some are easier than others. We talked to <laughs> John Glover. Of, a uh, uh, nice. number of weeks ago and he's already played a comic book character. Yeah. I have not seen that you have played a comic book character yet in a movie or television show, but if you had no. the chance to play one,
4: is there one that you would love to play? Wow, that's a good question. Um, yeah, because I've only ever like had comic books about the character after the fact, not pre- Oh, man. And
0: by the way, the Angel and Buffy seasons after the television show, very good.
4: (laughs) Very good. Yeah, I agree. God, I don't know. That's a tough one. Hmm. I don't know. I'll have to think about it.
3: Let's get back to you. That's Uh, a
4: tough one because I don't think I would want to be like a superhero. So then it makes me think about, well, what, you know, I just want to be sock monkey.
0: Well, there's nothing wrong with that, and there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of comic books that have nothing to do with one hundred percent. exactly.
4: And I was racking my brains, going, which one of those would I want to?
0: I mean, like uh, a lot of people don't know that Road to Perdition was a comic book.
4: And I that didn't was a know that. Fantastic
0: so. movie. Um, okay, well, let's go in a, in a different way. We always like to to rank things, and this may be more for me than than anything, but um, in the Buffy series, yes, what is what do you think is your favorite part of character development for Tara that you had
4: oh my favorite part of character development for Tara would have to be that she starts out kind of hunched like this and by the end she's actually standing tall she's really found her voice and her confidence and I think that's because she's found her place in the Scooby gang so that was like a really like kind of conscious thing that I realized when I first started I was like oh she hunches like she's uncomfortable and trying to hide all the time. And I thought that was a really fun way to, 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 show the growth.
0: Okay. Now one last one, I know, I know this has nothing to do with anything, but I just thought of this and I should have had it earlier, but okay. So you, How have, dare you. Uh, it, <laughs> you, so you had a lot of, uh, scenes with, uh, uh, Hannigan. Yes. Now you get the scripts ahead of time. Do you kind of work out in order to make a relationship feel real? you, you kind of have, you have kind of this body language between people and short code. Is that something that was all kind of provided in the script or was it sometimes something that you two uh, would work together on and say I think you know, I think when we're out in public, we would kind of behave this way.
4: Yeah, we talked about it some. It was very, it was very much embedded in the scr- in the scripts though everything in those scripts was very detailed and called, called out. I mean, and and Joss is very particular about how you how you speak and say dialogue, and you cannot change the dialogue. They will harass you until you say it the way it is written. Oh. So yeah, yeah. There is no there's no changing it. There's no adding ums or likes or like j- the gist of no. You have to say it like it is. Interesting. <laughs>
0: I always like to hear which directors are kind of hard line on that and who yeah. who gives a little flexibility. Yep. There's a fantastic story from uh the movie pcu that jeremy <laughs> piven was in i know it's it's a it's not a classic reference guys. but uh but the director was the same way and piven wanted to improvise a very specific line so he had to work around this cir- circuitous route to get the line to make it seem like he had the idea himself to oh, put that's that
4: funny there. yeah <laughs>
0: good well I'm sure I've probably dominated as much of your time as uh, no, I'm, I'm allowed to. No, this was a pleasure. Uh, Thank
4: you so much.
0: I, I appreciate you uh, talking to you me. You asked me while. no pudding questions. Well, yes, that's that's the mystery of the pudding, but but, but how about this? We'll, we'll do one pudding question. <laughs> what it what is your favorite flavor, and what is your least favorite?
4: Um, I probably love the most probably like a vanilla. Good like vanilla or like tapioca like that kind of and I'm not so into butterscotch huh. yeah
0: and this is why we don't talk much about
4: pudding <laughs> it's very exciting to guys very <laughs> well, well thank right. you again oh my I god my it. pleasure it was a pleasure <laughs> okay and how
0: fantastic was that I uh see I'm, I'm scaring him just because of the enthusiasm that I just have, I have to hold it down hold it down a little bit she was too cool and just graced me with uh, with some time to to learn a little bit about her and to be able to bask in the glory of how awesome she was. But uh, hopefully you found it as interesting as I. And
1: oftentimes when we get to interview folks, we always get excited because we've been doing this now for a little over a year, a little over right? Over yeah. And we've got to interview some pretty cool people, so there's no reason for us to not get excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to chat with people who were, you know, sincerely interested in learning more about or meeting. Uh, but one of the things I think was neat this time around is that we actually had video of that conversation. Because almost exclusively, it's just us talking to them, you know, maybe even over the phone. Yeah. So I don't get an actual, actual audio and video interview. So this was both.
0: Yeah, and we're going to try and get more video as we go. And now we've improved our equipment and have a better setup going. And we're going to bring you more. Now, actually, speaking of bringing you more, this is only the first part of the Origins coverage. We have more. I'm going to dig a little more into what it means to be at Origin in the next episode. And we have two other interviews that will involve uh, game company uh, Yellow, which I learned is not pronounced E-L-O in our interview. Uh, as well as uh, WizKids so if you are familiar with uh, either of those companies uh, I think you will be interested in learning a little bit more about them and if you've never heard of them I think you'll still be interested because they make some really good games so I hope that you will join us again for that.